This is KGNU's Morning Magazine. It's Thursday, August 3rd of 2023. I'm your host, Shannon Young. Coming up on today's show, we'll hear about OmniSalud, a program connecting undocumented Coloradans with health insurance. This time on The Cannabis Report, Leland Rucker brings us an update on the state of cannabis lounges on the Front Range, as well as a look at MasterCard's move to step away from marijuana sales. Then, Radio Nibbles host John Lindorf will be in the studio to catch us up on local food news. After the bottom of the hour BBC News update comes Kitchen Table Talk. John Lindorf will sit down with Chef Dan Asher and guests for your monthly call-in show about food and local agriculture. Then at 9.30, Dee Ryder will be in the Boulder studio for the Morning Sound Alternative. That's all still coming up, but first, it's time for headlines with KGNU's Benita Lee. The Boulder County Sheriff's Department evacuated its staff from the Criminal Justice Center building on Wednesday evening after deputies detected a strong natural gas smell. After an investigation, the Boulder Fire Department determined that natural gas was most likely coming into the building through the air handler. Fire officials were also dispatched to investigate similar complaints in the area near the Justice Center, which is at 1777 6th Street in Boulder. The Justice Center was closed last evening while officials continued to investigate, but was expected to reopen this morning. Health officials have confirmed more new human cases of West Nile virus in the Front Range, one in Boulder County and another in Adams County. In recent months, tests in several counties throughout the metro area have found mosquitoes carrying the virus. Health officials are encouraging Coloradans to use an EPA-approved insect repellent for people ages two months and older. They're also urging people to avoid outdoor activities during dawn and dusk and to drain standing water outside where mosquitoes can lay their eggs. Four students of color filed a lawsuit in federal court Wednesday, alleging that the Douglas County School District showed a, quote, callous indifference, unquote, towards severe and persistent racist bullying they reported to their schools. According to the Denver Post, the plaintiff's lawyer confirmed that two of the teens included siblings Jeremiah Ganzi, who attended Castle Rock Middle School, and his sister Nevea Ganzi, who attended Douglas County High School. Both students described the bullying to the Post in May. At that time, the newspaper reported Jeremiah wrote to district officials about the incidents but never received a reply. The lawsuit claims both students were regularly called racial slurs and were harassed both in school as well as on social media. Their mother, Lacey Ganzi, says she felt that her children were not safe. She decided that Jeremiah would finish his school year online and that the entire family would move out of Castle Rock. The suit further states that school officials made no effort to address the situation but would sometimes punish the students of color if they fought back against bullying students. Denver Mayor Mike Johnston spoke about his plan for the removal of homeless encampments at a news conference Wednesday. KGNU's Ivana Levis has the details. The city of Denver has approved Mayor Johnston's first attempt at a homeless encampment cleanup after he declared a homelessness state of emergency. His administration will prioritize camps where public health risks are detected. According to Nine News, the first encampment identified for public health risk criteria had a rat infestation. 
The unhoused people who camped on the street were banned from camping on that block, but were reportedly not given a place to go. Johnston said previous administrations have had many failed attempts at finding solutions for homelessness because there's a lack of relocation areas. The mayor says he plans to visit every encampment and speak with the residents before approving its removal. Johnston ensured that he would provide resources to the unhoused communities during his visits. For KGNU, I'm Yvonne Olivas. Attorney General Phil Weiser announced Wednesday that his office won a court case to temporarily stop operations of Aurora-based document company PropDocs. KGNU's Jacob Agatston has more. According to the Attorney General's office, the court ruling came late last week and ordered PropDocs and its owner, Erdis Moore III, to temporarily halt operations at the Denver PropDocs storefront. The ruling also froze company assets. An investigation by the Consumer Protection Section of the Colorado Department of Law found that PropDocs promised to create almost any form of false documentation. The investigation found fake COVID-19 vaccination records, vehicle titles, and even child custody and emergency protection orders with a fake judge's signature, among other documents. The investigation also found disclaimers on PropDocs' website and displayed at its storefront that stated the documents created by the company were for prop, theatrical, or educational use only. The disclaimers also requested customers not to tell PropDocs how the documents were being used. For KGNU, I'm Jacob Agatston. Four bodies of water in Colorado have recently tested positive for toxic algae blooms. KGNU's Pam Johnson reports. A warning has been issued for the four bodies of water, including Cherry Creek Reservoir, according to the most recent Colorado Department of Public Health and the Environment Toxic Algae Tracker. A warning indicates that toxins were detected at high levels. Skin irritation, gastrointestinal upset, respiratory issues, headache, and muscle and joint pain are all symptoms of exposure to the toxins given off during a bloom of blue-green algae. Swimming and paddleboarding are not allowed. Not all bodies of water in Colorado are regularly tested for the cyanotoxin. So officials urge people not to enter a body of water that appears to have a bloom of blue-green algae or allow pets to enter or drink the water. Ingestion of toxic algae can lead to death in pets. For KGNU, I'm Pam Johnson. Over 400 firefighters from 21 states are working round the clock to contain the low-line fire near Gunnison and Crested Butte. Recent rains have aided their efforts, but with drying and warming conditions continuing, firefighters are expecting potential red flag conditions on Saturday. A chance of showers and thunderstorms this afternoon throughout the Front Range with wind gusts up to 18 miles per hour. In Boulder, a high of 85 and a low around 58. In Denver, a high near 88 and a low around 60. In Fort Collins, a high near 87 and a low around 57. For KGNU, I'm Benita Lee. You are listening to The Morning Magazine on KGNU. I'm your host, Shannon Young. 
OmniSalud, a program which began in full this year, is connecting undocumented Coloradans with health insurance. For many, it's their first time on insurance. For Rocky Mountain Community Radio, KOTO's Gavin McGough spoke with some enrollees in the program and has this report. Late last year, Joel, a resident of Telluride, began to experience chest pain and mysterious bouts of fainting at night. He decided it was time to visit the doctor. Joel, who is originally from Mexico, speaks through an interpreter. Over the last four months, I had fainted a couple times at night. And the last time I fainted, I couldn't get up by myself. I hurt my back and I couldn't get off the floor after my fall. This is why the doctor was worried about me. And he got me in touch with another specialist in Denver and he determined that I needed this surgery to put a machine in my heart. Joel was first seen at the Telluride Medical Center for his condition. After that, he traveled to Denver for a consultation with a cardiologist. That doctor was able to diagnose his condition, a rare inflammation of the heart muscles. But, Joel continues, But they couldn't help me there since I had no insurance. They got me in touch with doctors in Montrose, and eventually doctors in Montrose got in touch with a doctor in Grand Junction. And they set me up to have heart surgery on June 17th. Joel still bears the evidence of his surgery in the form of two deep scars on his chest where the surgeon implanted a cardioverter defibrillator, a device which supports a broad range of heart functions. Amidst his medical emergency, a nurse at the Telluride Medical Center encouraged Joel to sign up for insurance through a program called OmniSalud. She told me that I qualified and encouraged me to sign up because I need to be seen every three months for my heart condition. And this could be true for my whole life going forward. This is my first time I've had health insurance. I can get a discount in Montrose and also here at our clinic in Teheran. Joel is an undocumented immigrant. And just a year ago, there was no real pathway in Colorado for him and other undocumented residents to receive health insurance. OmniSalute changed that when the new program began accepting enrollees last November. Simona, who lives in Telluride, enrolled as well. She, too, speaks through an interpreter. This is the first time I have this type of health insurance. I have to go to the doctor every three months to get my sugar checked. I would have to pay every time I went to the doctor. And now because of this health insurance, I am covered and don't have to pay for every single doctor's visit. Simona says after only a few months, she is already seeing the benefits of her insurance. Economically, this is going to be one of the biggest changes in my life. I can already see a very positive impact in my finances. Prior to OmniSalute, undocumented residents were hesitant to sign up for health insurance as their information could be sent to the federal government. OmniSalute, a state program, keeps their information secure. The program offers subsidized health care plans through the Connect for Health Colorado Marketplace, which was set up as part of the Affordable Care Act. In its first year, OmniSalute offered only 10,000 spots. Leslie Sparks worked with the Tri-County Health Network to get immigrants enrolled. She says interest was high. 
Connect for Health Colorado was, you know, kind of thinking that we wouldn't fill these 10,000 spots, that, you know, it might that might be a, a far reach. However, that was not the case, and the 10,000 spots filled up pretty quickly. Spark says currently it does not look like the state will be expanding the program. Additionally, she reports does not sound like people can auto-enroll for OmniSalute, so everyone will have to reapply, and it will be, you know, just like it was last year where it's on a first-come, first-served basis. While users of OmniSalute testify to the big impacts it has had, some of the uncertainty of the program has not gone unnoticed. Here again is Joel. A lot of people have been benefiting from Without OmniSalud, I don't think I would have been able to get this surgery. The only downside about this insurance is that it's only for a year and its future is uncertain. In other states, you can have insurance for life. It would be nice if this program was more secure. For Sparks, witnessing the early impacts of the program sends a message about health care in general. We do need to work towards everyone being able to receive the health care they need and that it's not based on your socioeconomic status, immigration status, that, you know, we all need health care. The annual open enrollment period for OmniSalud begins again on November 1st, and Sparks encourages anyone interested in enrolling or re-enrolling in OmniSalud to act early, as the program may fill quickly. Interpretation and reporting on this story was made possible by Luis Tavares, Camila Vizaco, and Jimena Rebolledo-Leon. For KOTO, this is Gavin McGough. Now it's time for the Cannabis Report on KGNU Community Radio. I'm Hanley Myers, and I'm joined by Leland Rucker, who is going to be bringing us up to speed on something that has been long talked about in Colorado, but yet to come to fruition, and that would be lounges, cannabis lounges. So Leland, let's start there. What is going on with the cannabis lounge situation? Give us an update here. Well, what does Amendment 64 say? It says, treat marijuana like alcohol, but we're 10 years in. And there's still few places where you can go and smoke cannabis like people do with alcohol. Um, trying to get lounges where people can smoke, much like bars allow people to drink, has been really hard. Uh, marijuana hospitality establishments are defined. Now, we should define it at, at, at the beginning. They're defined as facilities licensed for on-site consumption of marijuana. And right now, there's just not much of that going on. There, there are some things happening in the city of Denver. But in order to have a lounge for smoking marijuana, you have to pass HVAC requirements. And those are tough. They were created for cigarette smoking, secondhand smoke. And apparently, nobody wants to have a lounge where you can do anything but smoke cannabis. There's a lot of other ways to use it, but nobody's come up with a lounge uh, for the other ways to use it. So there's, you know, there's so many ways to adjust these days. But, you know, like, for instance, Chris Chiardi. He owns the Patterson Inn at 420 East 11th Avenue. 
420 East 11th Avenue. He said when he saw the uh, the address, he had to have the place. And it's an old, real old hotel. And he wants to make it his pub, Marijuana Friendly. And he's the first owner of a hotel in Denver to apply for marijuana license. And he told Westward this spring, the city of Denver is enforcing strict rules around indoor air quality in a smoke-filled room. In the past several months, major agreements have been reached, recognizing the similarity between the lounge I proposed and cigar lounges, which we haven't talked about, allowing us to lean on proven system designs that have been built to meet international standards. Once we have the final design approved, we are in a position to start construction immediately. With all the dovetail and pipes to move the air, I think it'll be hard to avoid the steampunk vibe. So there's one person involved. Michael Eimer, a person I know, he owns buses. He's hoping for a lounge one of these days, too. And he's the one who's made buses sort of a natural thing. I remember going on one of his buses about 10 years ago, and he's planning a big open space. But most people, he says, aren't willing to pay what it costs to make them good with the city. It's about the same to start a dispensary as it is to put in a lounge. So it's, you know, it's just very hard. Um, And on the other hand, eight businesses have received warnings for hosting marijuana-related activities in Denver without the required license, with a separate ticket issued to Tetra Lounge. And the city on Saturday investigated multiple locations after receiving complaints of illegal events taking place. Um, I didn't get to talk to the people at the Denver Department of Excise and Licenses, but officials there, they issued a general violation ticket to the operator of Tetra Lounge at 3039 Walnut Street in Denver. And uh, there was a bunch of other businesses that got warnings, and they've been asked to get a license. So... There's a lot going on, but it's still very hard. Um, I noticed that the city of Boulder has again punted on allowing marijuana establishments. The city's marijuana board said it's time for establishments. I mean, it has been 10 years. This is not an emergency, said council member Bob Yates, as if an emergency was needed to open cannabis lounges. I'm not sure about that. Um, I checked the amendment. It doesn't say anything about emergencies. Um And it was ultimately determined that the current council was just too late and too busy. Gosh, it is just so interesting that this lounge element, just the ability to use cannabis in public with others similar to how alcohol is consumed in public, has been such an incredible hurdle for the state. It really has. I think the cigarette smoking laws that we passed, which are very strict and uh, probably had, you know, good reason to have them, to have those in place for cannabis is probably not the same thing. And you also have some news for us, some big news for the cannabis industry across the country related to an announcement by MasterCard. What can you tell us about that? Yeah, the Colorado's marijuana industry sustained another blow last week. Um, Reports emerged that MasterCard was banning debit card transactions for marijuana. Uh, I went to a dispensary and asked, and they said, sure enough, that's the case. Um, You know, most marijuana dispensaries still largely operate in cash because of the plant's federal prohibition, but a growing portion of retailers here are able to accept debit cards through third-party processors and cashless ATMs. But on July 26th, MasterCard confirmed a Bloomberg report 
that the card company was issuing cease and desist orders to banks and payment vendors demanding that they stop processing any marijuana-related transactions. We'll have to continue to watch this, but we we will watch and see whether any other uh, card companies step up like MasterCard did and uh, do this particular thing. To uh, That's a real tough blow to uh, to an industry that's kind of reeling right now anyway. And it will be interesting to see if other card companies follow suit, but all goes to say that a, a federal decision or at least comment on this would be helpful. Well, Leland, thank you again for keeping us in the loop with all of this. And um, you can catch the Cannabis Report the first and third Thursday of every month here on KGNU. Thanks again, Leland. Thank you. For KGNU, I'm Hanley Myers. It's time for Radio Nibbles, and it's also prime time for local produce. John Lindorf is here in the studio with me to talk about his annual guide to Boulder County's roadside farm stands. Good morning. Hi, Shannon. Hi, everybody. Welcome around the gigantic uh, buffet table here at uh, KGNU, and today it's it's loaded with fresh produce. It's that time of year, and uh, today in the Boulder Weekly, I have my annual guide to Boulder County roadside farm stands. We're not talking about farmers markets. I think of those as kind of the uh, the gateway drug to uh, farm dining. You know, it's 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 good and you know easy, but it's not the same as going to a roadside farm stand. There are uh, I, I I love going to them. In the past month, I've spent a lot of time driving around and I'll go, oh, look, there's another one. Oh, look, there's another one. And uh, you meet the farmers. You get to see the food growing. You can talk about how to uh, prepare the food. And uh, it's a really, each one of them is uh, unique. And um, there are a few kind of rules of uh, roadside farm stands. One is that you need, in order to, it was a project finding out how you know everything about them because they're it's mostly on social media and so this includes instagram and other things that you can uh, uh, so you can stay in touch with them find out what they have on a given day and whether they're even open Mm -hmm. (laughs) which is a whole nother thing you know if if, if there's rain in any case uh some of the cooler ones um and favorites aspen moon farm in uh, hygiene uh, it's a certified organic farm, wonderful uh, little farm stand, lots of flowers, um, highly recommended. They also grow popcorn, uh, something like fresh popcorn. You'd be surprised what a what a difference that can make. Um, another one that I love is Benevolence Orchard. That's on J Road, uh, and uh, they have wonderful uh, fruit and other other you know uh, jams and things. Um, the Black Cat Farm Store is the one, the only one that's actually uh, year-round, and that's uh, out near the Boulder uh, Reservoir. Um, some of them are very tiny. There's a place, uh, it's on uh, Valmont, um, kind of on the way to the Cure Farm. It's just uh, by the side of the road. It's called Shadow Ranch Lake. You know, it's a, it's just a trailer. Mm-hmm. They got fresh eggs. It's very cute. And it's a lot of these places are self-service. 
or the, the, you know, you need to bring cash and uh, or Venmo, mm-hmm. but uh, it's really uh, different than um, because there's you know sometimes there's nobody there's nobody there and it's on the honor system. Yeah. Well, and some some have cameras. I do, I have seen that before. Um, sure. Yeah. Well, we are uh, doing a very short edition of Radio Nibbles today because we do have Kitchen Table Talk coming up for the next hour. But John, what's the best thing you've had you've tasted lately? I had the pleasure of going to Rocky Grass, and I got to have uh, some great uh, Greek food, a Greek salad, and some spanakopita. But it was an excellent example about how much context matters in uh, when you're eating something. Mm-hmm. To eat that in that place with that music, beautiful. All right. Well, you can listen to podcasts of previous radio nibbles at news.kgnu.org. Don't touch that dial. Don't go anywhere. Chef Dan Asher, Chef Hosea Rosenberg, and a couple of more guests are going to be here in just about a minute or so. We've got an hour of kitchen table talk. We'll take your calls, so don't don't go anywhere. That's it for today's Morning Magazine. I've been your host and producer, Shannon Young. Thanks to Benita Lee, Yvonne Olivas, Pam Johnston, Jacob Agatston, Alexis Kenyon, Poor Jajunkit, Gavin McGough, Hannah Lee Myers, Leland Rucker, and John Lindor for their contributions to today's program. Stay tuned for Kitchen Table Talk. That's coming up just after the BBC News headlines. <laughs>